Hello, welcome to another episode of the Anthem Daily Podcast. I'm Bert Alcorn. Today is Tuesday, April 28th. So stoked you are joining along with us, uh, particularly as yesterday we kicked off kind of this new series thing for this podcast, uh, talking about how we come back stronger from the coronavirus. And we set out yesterday to say like our goal um, for our church, but honestly for anyone who might be actually listening to this, our goal is that you would come back from the coronavirus stronger, healthier, more mature and thriving, not weaker, immature and limping. And so we just started uh, processing through together. How do we come back stronger? And to, to think about how we come back stronger. And I even have, I've been kind of having this running list of, of practices. Some call it like a rule of life that Sherry and I have been talking about. Just kind of things we can integrate into our life or things to help us integrate things out of our life uh, to come out of this stronger and more healthier. But be, even before we get to any of that, we need to talk about how we change. The dynamic of which we actually come back stronger because just thinking it will not make it happen. Now, this is not just an internal goal for us, but it's also like a a reality that we see in Scripture. The picture that we get from the New Testament is one of constant and continual change and transformation, but not just transformation in general, transformation to become more like Jesus. So we're defining coming back stronger Uh, And when we say stronger, we actually mean coming back looking more like Jesus, expressed through your person, personality, and personhood. And so when we talk about continual change and transformation and growth and maturity, it's not in general. I'm not just saying like, how do I become a better whatever, fill in the gap, or how do I become a better me? What we're really saying is how do I become more like Jesus expressed through who he's made me to be? And the promise of the New Testament is nothing short of full-on transformation to those who follow Jesus, who yield themselves to the Spirit. The promise is nothing short of full-on transformation to become more like Him. Throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, we find that this transformation, growing into the likeness of Jesus, is not only the goal, but it's the expectation it's, so it's not just like a nice idea to have, but it is the intended outcome of the way of life. And that's what it is, by the way. Following Jesus is a way of life. It is not just something to believe. It is a way of living as well. It is the expectation of that way of living. So as disciples, as apprentices of Jesus, our predestined purpose, this is Romans 8 language, our predestined purpose is to become uh, conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the truth, though, is that transformation process takes two things, takes participation and intentionality. So it it takes you engaging. It will not um, happen without you. And it takes intentionality. It will not happen by accident. So it takes participation and intentionality. And so there are a couple of different aspects to how we change. And what I'm going to do over the next couple of podcast episodes is recall uh, a, a teaching I've come back to a few different times, at least at Anthem Ventura. So if you've been hanging around Anthem Ventura for anything, any length of time, you, you might be familiar to what I'm about to say. If you haven't, then this will be an opportunity for you to engage in, in our understanding of how we change, our, our process of intentional spiritual formation 
And depending on your heritage or background, uh, language that might be more familiar other than spiritual formation might be sanctification or maturity or growing into Christ-likeness, whatever it is, it's all talking about the same thing, which is how do we become more like Jesus here on this earth? And we shared um, a, a paradigm that we stole from someone who stole from Dallas Willard. And so it's been hijacked and tweaked and, and we've done the same thing. But it's this, and I know I'm about to describe something visual on, a, on an auditory medium, so apologies. But it's, imagine a triangle, if you will. And this triangle kind of represents how we change, this intentional spiritual formation. And on either on each point of the triangle is one part of how we change. And right in the center is, is the fuel for how we can even do those things. And so if you're sketching out a triangle, put in the middle the Holy Spirit. This is the first element to how we change, is actually partnering with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're talking about today. And over the next three podcast episodes after today, we'll talk about each point of the triangle. And it's this, we'll form this, this uh, picture of a paradigm for how we change into the likeness of Jesus. But how we change first starts with the infilling and partnership of the Holy Spirit. Now, scripture tells us two things about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. One, that as you commit to follow Jesus, you know, believe with your mouth and your heart, profess that he is Lord. You are given the deposit of the Holy Spirit. This deposit cannot be taken away. It's your inheritance for our future glory. But we're also told in, in places like Colossians and Ephesians that we are to go on being filled with the Spirit. So it's not just a one-time deposit, but it's an ongoing filling that happens. It's, it's be filled and keep on being filled. And so in this dynamic, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the only way we are actually able to change into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus himself says in John 14 that he'll send the helper. He won't orphan us. He'll send the Holy Spirit who teaches all things and bring to remembrance everything Jesus did and taught. And so here's the goal. Here's the goal is that the Holy Spirit becomes the dominant voice and reality over the voices in your environment. So more than our city, more than our our iPhone, more than the culture around us, more than our jobs or our family or friends or whatever, that the Holy Spirit becomes the dominant voice and reality over the other voices in your environment. This is, friends, the baseline for all transformation. If you follow Jesus and you want to become more like him, it always, always starts with the Holy Spirit. You cannot change to become more Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit is the way we'll actually be with him. And being with Jesus is the foundational relational context for becoming like Jesus. So I'll I'll say really boldly, there is no, 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 no genuine spiritual formation apart from being with Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit. None. I don't care how many books you read, how many podcasts you listen to, there is no genuine spiritual formation apart from the work of the Holy Spirit being with Jesus. To that end, John 15, one of Jesus' most in-depth teachings of, of how we are to be with him, 
And he says in John 15, verse five, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. So I, I would I would also say this is probably one of Jesus' most in-depth teachings on how we change, on spiritual formation, on what it means to be with him and become like him. And he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And so it's, it's hard to tell where the vine and the branches start and stop. They're connected to each other. And he says this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Jesus in his teaching and his ministry is really concerned with things that did or did not bear fruit or did or did not bear, bear healthy or unhealthy fruit. And he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, it's together, this two-way street, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing, including change to become like me. You can't do that without me. You can't become more like me without me. Now, one of the ways the Bible teaches us to live in full dependence on the Spirit and to, and to, be, to be with Him and to actually become like Him is, is um, with this metaphor of walking by the Spirit. And, and, and I love this metaphor because immediately it's a metaphor that you can visualize. Like if Sherry and I are, are walking around the block, if we're, we're saying, hey, we're going to go on a walk, I'm going to walk with you. What does that mean? It means we're walking next to each other. It's, it's not rocket science. It means we're walking next to each other. Maybe we're holding hands. Maybe we're not. I get really hot and sweaty, so we don't hold hands a lot. Maybe we're just, we're talking, but we're keeping in step with each other, right? I'm not 10 feet ahead of her because I have long legs and I like to walk fast. She's not 10 feet ahead of me because she would rather be running than walking. We're walking together. We're not only walking together, we're talking. And sometimes we're not talking. Sometimes we're talking and listening to each other. Other times we're walking in silence. Sometimes we're looking at something together. We're, we're witnessing and experiencing something together. I mean, think about this. If, you, if you're out walking with your spouse, I'll use Sherry as an example. We're walking around our block. We're not only talking, we're not only keeping in step with each other, but we see across the street like one car run into the back of another car. We're, we're witnessing something together and, and are thus processing it together in real time. And I love this analogy, and maybe every analogy breaks down at, at some level, but I actually love that analogy of walking by the Spirit. It's language out of Galatians chapter 5, because it gives this up-close, personal, uh, intentionally intimate picture of how we're to relate to the Holy Spirit, as you would a spouse or a friend, like we're walking together, we're keeping in step we're not, I'm not running too far ahead or staying too far behind. We're talking with each other. Sometimes we're not talking and listening. Sometimes we're observing something together and we're able to process in real time. And this idea of walking by the Spirit also gives us the connotation that like you haven't arrived. Like you're not there yet. We are on this journey of life together with the Holy Spirit. I'll read a bit out of Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, and I'll go maybe to 24, 25-ish. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter five, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So already at odds, two things, walking by the spirit, keeping in step with the spirit, walking with him, right? Or gratifying the desires of the flesh. You get to choose one or the other. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the law of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, which is Paul's way of saying, and anything else you can think of that seems generally bad. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what he's saying is, what he's not saying is if you sin, you don't get the kingdom of God because we're imperfect and we we desperately need the work of Jesus. But what he is saying is those who choose a life of gratifying the desires of the flesh rather than walking in the spirit are choosing a life apart from God. But the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now this picture shows us that each individual follower of Jesus is given the opportunity to go through life in partnership with the Holy Spirit or not. And it, and it's from that concept that the value for us as a church of being dependent on the Holy Spirit emerges. But the more we realize that our goal as Christians is not to do all the things, but to be with the living God and experience his presence, the more we actually find joy and peace and life. And what's crazy is the more we realize that goal, the more quote unquote productive we will be for the kingdom of God and productive we will be for our personal sanctification. And I love the language of walking by the Spirit, or even at the end, keeping in step with the Spirit, because it leaves, it leaves out any room for this to be only an intellectual thing. That This kind of language that Paul uses demands actions. Right? If I'm talking about going for a hike, but I don't actually get off my butt, leave the house, and go hike outside, did I take a hike? It's not a trick question. No, I did, I did not take a hike. Here's the thing, though, is how often do we talk about walking by the Spirit, keeping in step, being in tune with the Holy Spirit, but we, we aren't actually. We just like to talk about it. It would pre- seem pretty ridiculous to call myself a hiker if the only experience I had of hiking was just talking about hiking rather than actually experiencing a hike. I just can't get away from that. The language in Galatians 5 says we're in step. We're walking by the Spirit. And so similarly, what Paul wants us to know is there are two ways of living. One is by the flesh, gratifying the desires of the flesh, and two is by the Spirit. And both are postures, actions, and choices. This is not, for Paul, an intellectual argument. This is a lifestyle argument. So, then, looking at our own life, are we, am I, are you walking by the Spirit? And I'll even press in just a little more, just to needle this in. How can you tell? Is it by the books that you read or the actions of your life? Better yet, can other people tell that you are walking by the Spirit and not gratifying the desires of the flesh? Paul gives us a little bit of a barometer here, a little bit of a litmus test. The fruit of the Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. Healthy fruit from being connected to Jesus. 
fruit, if you will, of gratifying the desires of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, decisions, divisions, so on, so on, so on. So can others tell? If you were to stack up these two lists up against each other, you know, column A, column B, which, which one more accurately represents you? It may be a difficult question. Luckily, podcasts are a fairly individual thing, right? Maybe even, here, here's a practice, a little on-the-spot practice. This is in my notes. I didn't plan this. Grab your journal, grab a notebook, a piece of paper. Go to Galatians chapter 5, 16 through 25. Column A, flesh. Jot down everything that's there. Column B, spirit. Jot down everything that you find in verses 22 and 23. And circle the ones that you feel like mark and identify your life. And, and even, and if you're so bold, ask your spouse or your roommate or your community group to help you decipher and ask for honesty. Don't, don't play, don't ask for placation. Ask for honesty here. Are you walking by the spirit? How can you tell? And how do others tell? See, as we talk about how we change, and as we talk about coming back from this stronger, we have to understand that we cannot do this on our own. Imagine trying to be a loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled person in your own will, like by your own strength. That seems, and it is, impossible. And how easy is it to live the things of the flesh by ourselves? Oh, super easy. You just say yes to everything that comes right in front of you. But we cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit, Paul talks about in verses 22 and 23, without the partnership of the Spirit. That's why we have to walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, abide in the Spirit. So maybe I'll end with this question. As we think about how to come back stronger, and the first way we change is to embrace this partnership with the Holy Spirit and our own sanctification, where can you depend on the Holy Spirit more for your change today, today and this week? Where can you depend on the Holy Spirit more for your change? Maybe it's going to prayer before rushing to a solution. And not that solutions are bad, but what if our posture was to actually, something happens, we, we actually go to him in prayer first and then go look for a solution. What, what if it was going to him for rest before rushing to Netflix or, or Hulu or YouTube or video games or whatever it is that is your escape? What if it is going to scripture before going to other books, before going to other podcasts, even other sermons? What if we went to scripture first and let that shape and informed and inform our worldview? Where, where can you depend on the Holy Spirit for your change today? Thanks so much for listening to the Anthem Daily Podcast. So appreciate the, the love and the stories and encouragements we've gotten so far. So glad this is helpful and, and, uh, and, and encouraging for you as you're processing through um, not wasting this time and actually coming out of this time healthier. So love you. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Anthem Daily Podcast.